and welcome to another exciting episode of Fire and Water Records, the music anthology show of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm Ryan Daly, and joining me once again is my brother and semi-permanent co-host, Neil Daly. What's up, bro? Semi-permanent as always. (laughs) Good to hear. Uh, We are back to kick off a brand new, hopefully recurring series on Fire and Water Records dedicated to the women we love in rock and roll, hip-hop, R&B, pop, punk, country, folk, and of course, German death metal. Bluegrass. (laughs) (laughs) Female singers, female-fronted bands, we are going to talk about them in a way that's kind of different for this podcast up to this point, and I'll explain that later. Uh, But first, Neil, how did this idea come about? What inspired this topic, and why now? Boy, um, that's a loaded question. Uh, It's, it's, I think this has kind of always been in the back of my mind. And the reason I say that is, you you know, going back to when I used to make you mixtapes in the 90s of like bands I liked and everything, you know, and we've talked about this before where I would do Lollapalooza mix one, mix two, mix three and send you stuff. I remember making Lilith Fair mixes mm-hmm. and sending you the girl groups that I liked, like the Sundays and the Cranberries and Juliana Hatfield. And, you know, we went down this list. Women have always been kind of a... You know, I, I've always, I've never put it this way. I've never really segregated rock and roll to be like a boys club kind of thing. And, uh, you know, we've talked about this before. You and I were lucky enough to be heavily, heavily influenced by our father's record collection. And dad was very non-discriminating uh, with his choice in music. You know, he had records, you know, in rotation regularly, like Linda Ronstadt, Stevie Nicks, uh, Emmy Lou Harris, Carly Simon, you know, all the, all with, for every guy group that he played a record of, he would play a girl group of. Mm-hmm. So you and I never knew to separate and, and say like, oh, well, girls, you know, can't do rock and roll like guys do. So long story short, I think, you know, with, you know, the impetus of this particular theme for a podcast kind of came about, I think just because there's been a very, a, a very necessary and growing movement, the Me Too movement, the mm-hmm. Time's Up movement, you know, women empowerment kind of things have been, you know, it's, it, it feels like it's time. And yeah. I just, you know, it, it that, I, I mean, for lack of a better phrase, that's it. It's time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I agree. And and yeah, I was thinking the same thing, like going back to like when you would send me the mixes, you know, there were there were always, you know, female bands, female artists included in those mixes. And, you know, I, I would kind of like perk up when I would hear, you know, the Sundays doing a version of Wild Horses that I, yeah. I remember dad playing the original Rolling Stones version. I was like, this is a really cool spin. And this is something. <laughs> Like some, you know, it, it never felt like a novelty to be listening to, you know, you know, female rock bands or groups or something like that. No, no. Yeah. Like just yeah, yeah. Blondie was in regular rotation. I was always listening to that. It was Yeah. Just, the pretenders, you know, yes, I mean, yeah, I mean yeah. dad had all this stuff. Plus, you know, even, even in the grunge era of the nineties, you know, there was something, you know, like, you know, I, I remember like the reality bite soundtrack, you mm-hmm, know, seeing mm-hmm. like Lisa Loeb pick up a guitar and play, you know, there yeah. was something sexy about a chick in a skirt where, you know, playing rock and roll, like the boys you know what or or what we'll talk about tonight a girl wearing a leather jacket you know being every bit every bit as hardcore as the ramones you know that's it's they can do it every bit you know anything you can do i can do better kind of thing you remember that song so (laughs) and i mean liz fair singing fucking run pretty much oh god yeah absolutely liz fair is tops of the list man uh why isn't she on this episode Uh, we'll come back to her okay (laughs) oh she gets her own (laughs) 
but yeah, in terms of like the timeliness, I mean, from everything from the the vice presidential selection of Kamala yep. Harris coming yep. up around this time and Taylor Swift coming out with a new album that was highly anticipated and I listened to it and I really, really like it. And spoilers, we probably will do a Taylor Swift episode in the future at some point. Yeah, yeah, I, I will say that honestly, the only reason I didn't put Taylor Swift on my list tonight is because she deserves her own episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and we're kind of we're, we're jumping ahead because speaking of the lists and what this episode is going right. to be yeah. like, um, I think originally, like it's early on in the Genesis, you pitched kind of like a, a top five female singers or top five female front of bands list or something like that. And right. I mean, I, I think it's it's kind of gotten maybe obvious, but unsaid on this show is I've kind of become averse to doing these definitive top five lists on these shows because I always know that as soon as I'm done, I'm, I'm going to change my mind. Either I'm going to remember a song or a musician that I forgot about or something else is going to come. Like it, like within a month, it's going to be outdated and I'm going to want to revive yeah, that's, it. So. That's the curse of your ADD. Yeah, so whenever we come up to these things, I was like, well, these aren't necessarily my five favorite songs. Right. These are five that I could talk about, giving myself the leeway that, hey, maybe we'll come back to do another Pearl Jam episode, and I can talk about more songs that I like. Right. That's kind of where we did I was like, I didn't want to do top five, and also just narrowing it down was going to be impossible. So, yep. listeners, hopefully this is going to be a series where every time we come to one of these episodes, we're going to bring a collection. Neil's going to bring a few female singers or bands. I'm going to bring a few. And by the way, we're for this episode, to kick it off, we're kind of focusing within the realm of rock and roll and rock pop, stuff like that. Obviously, that I mean that that's that is very limiting, and we can come back. We can bring the you know the R and B Motown ladies that we love. We can go into other like country rap, other genres. Sure. But there was something else that I want, kind of wanted to do was break away from the the format that we have, where you bring a song, then I bring a, something from different. So we came up with a list of artists that we wanted to talk about, and to kind of give them each a little, I, I felt like doing one song for each of them would be shortchanging them. Disingenuous. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, we couldn't necessarily do deep dives into all of these, but just doing a one, making it sound like they were like a one-hit wonder, really wasn't giving you the full scope of who they are and what we like. So, you came up with the idea of doing all of these you know, artists, and I was like, okay, what I want is for you to bring a song from that artist, and I'll bring a different song from the same artist. That way, you guys can hear two songs from the same group and kind of get a little bit more exposure to some of these groups, and, and, and you know, if you've heard more about them. So, yeah, um, I, 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 loved, I love this idea. I think this is really going to be great going forward with this, because... Uh, specifically, like you said, you know, we're getting every, every artist that we choose, you, you know, two, two opportunities to talk about them. And it also gives us a little bit of a chance to, you know, if I'm exposing you to maybe somebody that I want on my list that you're not as familiar with, it forces you to kind of give more of, you know, dig a little deeper exactly, and, that, exactly. and, and vice and vice versa. And, and, you know, I, we've said this before with previous podcasts, and I think it's pretty important. I think it's important to kind of reiterate, these are by no means the best female singers in rock and roll or our favorite female singers in rock and roll. That's not the point. You know, we're kind of all over the map and this is going to be a series, but I think for one reason or another, these are influential. These were important. Mm -hmm. And these are people that we think we, we felt the uh, need to talk about. And that we recommend that we want. Yeah, other absolutely. To to. Yeah. Yeah. Our music tastes overlap a lot. Oh yeah. But 
we don't have exactly identical libraries. You listen to stuff that I don't listen to and vice versa. So I really like the idea of us each coming coming to the same artist from a different place, sort of challenging each other. Yeah, like and, you're, a, you're an sync guy and I'm a Backstreet Boys guy, so. That is exactly what I was thinking, yes. <laughs> <laughs> or, or more topical, Brittany and Christina. Oh, like don't, I don't, I, I'm sick of having that argument with you. <laughs> all right, all right. So um, let us get into the list. The first artist that we are going to be talking about is Joan Jett. She's been a solo artist. She has uh, been part of The Runaways. She fronted Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. Uh, this was your artist. You brought her to the table. So you get the first song. What do you got for us? Well, first of all, I, you know, you kind of were a little downtrodden when you said Joan Jett. I expected more of a Joan Jett. Anyway. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's redo that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm going to launch, I'm going to launch this list with the, the queen of punk, the queen of rock, or the, as she's actually affectionately called in New York, the godmother of punk. I'm going with Joan Jett and the Blackhearts and her song, Bad Reputation. This was kind of a tough one. I knew I wanted Joan Jett on my list no matter what when we first came up with this discussion. And I struggled. There were, you know, it was hard for me to pick the song I wanted to chose. I think the obvious go-to choice would have been something like I Love Rock and Roll, which was obviously her biggest hit. I personally have a like this weird affection for her cover of the Mary Tyler Moore, Moore theme song, Love Is All Around, because I remember the launch of the WNBA on ESPN when that <laughs> launched about 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago now. That was the theme song they played with it, Joan Jett's version. But I had to go with this for a number of reasons. Let's see a quick backstory on Joan Jett. So like I said, she's this was the first single of her debut solo album. You already mentioned that she was in girl groups before. Uh, after she left the Runaways, this was her, her first single. Um, you probably discovered this song from the TV show Freaks and Geeks. Most people probably remember that. This was, in, this was the theme song to that. I actually remember this song. If anybody out there remembers the video for I Love Rock and Roll, the black, black and white video that played on MTV in, what, 81, maybe? You know, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, the long extended version of the video has her walking into the bar and before she hits the jukebox, Bad Reputation is the song playing at the beginning of that video in the background and then she plays her own song i love rock and roll and that's how i remember it and despite the fact that that song was huge and that video played like crazy as a kid there was something weird i actually remember like and this was long before i ever thought about doing research in the songs and you know i was i i was i was like less i was under 10 years old or something but I do remember liking that song better. And like when MTV debuted, I remember thinking like, Oh, I wish they would play that part more. (laughs) And anyway, it's a total punk rock song. The last two minutes, it's like two minutes of power chords in the vibe, in the vibe of, you know, the Ramones or green day or blink One Eighty Two, that type of stuff. Um, It's, it's dirty, like cheap trick songs. Uh, Lyrically, 
it doesn't get more punk than saying, I don't give a damn about my bad reputation. <laughs> and for that reason, and for this to launch this whole series on women in rock, I had to go with Joan Jett's version of Bad Reputation. That's it. It is perfect. It, like, exactly. I mean, you know that I love songs that have swagger. <laughs> and and yeah, this one, yeah. it's, it's <laughs> yeah. just, it, it's just like totally just, you know, grabbing the crotch, spitting in your face. It's punk. It's rebellious. It's exactly what you said. You know, I, I mean, as much as any song by, you know, the Sex Pistols or the Ramones yeah. or something, this is pure punk. It has, has that kind of edge. Um, but the fact that it's a woman doing it gives it that extra kind of oomph, um, that, mm-hmm. that extra like outsider status, which I, I just love. Um, you know, and the, 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 the other thing about this too, though, I mean, you, you mentioned how punk this is and she fits right in with the likes of the Ramones and stuff, especially wearing all black leather in the video, you know, in all in her videos and things like that. But there was something, you know, but she was, this is total women empowerment. I mean, the lyrics in the song are a girl can do what she wants to do. And that's how it's going to be like, I mean, this is, this is to, this was door opening kind of thing that she kind of broke down that wall of what punk rock could be. You know, I, you know, they're probably You know, the runaways did it to a certain extent, but didn't exceed, achieve the exposure that she got. This launched the careers of so many women in rock. And I know for a fact off the top of my head, Avril Lavigne has covered this song and mm. credits Joan Jett as a, you know, as a, as an influencer and stuff. Joan Jett. Yeah. You know, she's in the rock and roll hall of fame for a reason. So Hell yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll kind of come back. My my Joan Jett story is sort of tied in with the song that I'm going to pick. So we're going to dive right into mine going away from the punk rock roots um, (laughs) in one of her her many covers. I am going with the Joan Jett version of Crimson and Clover. Now, this is a cover, as I mentioned. This was originally done by Tommy James and the Shondells, 1968. Uh, it was a great, like, psychedelic pop hit. Flower power. Heavy, <laughs> heavy tremolo effect on both the guitar and the vocals. Um, I have this distinct memory of Mom liking this song, and I don't know where that came from. <laughs> um, but I, I think I remember Mom listening to this song or saying Well, that I, through, I, re- I remember, you know, Mom Mom was a operating room nurse for most of her, you know, young life and everything. So I think, you know, Crimson just reminded her of blood. <laughs> right, yeah, that's probably. Um, another notable cover of this song, Prince actually did a version of Crimson and Clover. Um, <laughs> yes, he did. And... I, I, I will not say this very often, but his version is not my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, okay. I'm, I have nothing to add. Nothing to I'm add. not going to say that often, but, but I'll say it here. Um, <laughs> so, I, I, I mean, I remember, I, I, knew bad, I knew the song Bad Reputation. I knew the song I Love Rock and Roll. I kind of knew Joan Jett vaguely, kind of by, by reputation. Yeah, peripherally. My freshman year of college... 
uh, I got into the TV show Sports Night. Mm-hmm. And the Tommy James version was in an episode of Sports Night. Um, and this was also right around the time when I was getting into music file sharing borderline piracy. Although, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Audio I Galaxy, able, Napster. Yeah, exactly. So I didn't get uh, Napster, but I did use Audio Galaxy. And my thing was I didn't have this like 50,000, you know, downloads of like different songs and everything. I sampled something. And if I liked that, then I went to the music store and kind of like explored and got more of that. Good for you. <laughs> I heard I heard the Tommy James version. I was like, oh, I want to hear that whole song or whatever. So I went to Audio Galaxy, which, by the way, put so much malware on my computer. I probably deserve what I got. Oh, God. Um, yeah, you and me both. Yeah. The thing, though, was with Audio Galaxy – a lot of the files were mislabeled or, or like, oh, just yeah. like partial fragments. Like it was a horrible archiving thing. So I, I looked up Crimson and Clover and I downloaded it. And when I played it, it was not the same version as the TV show. It was this heavy, <laughs> grungy electric guitar and a woman going, yeah, with this poetry <laughs> voice. And I was like, oh, what is this? And this thunderous guitar kicks in. And I didn't know who it was at first. I actually had to like look it up and, and do some research, and I found out that it was Joan Jett. And I was like, "Oh, this kicks ass! I love this version." And it like it just it hit me somewhere in my soul, like just these chords just strum this way, and her, her voice singing this very sexy version of a psychedelic pop hit from the '60s. I loved it, and then that triggered a kind of false memory in me because. <laughs> I, I did remember like seeing I remember seeing Joan Jett on like some of Dad's album covers and I knew that she was good looking. She was like she wasn't sure. she was hot and the, yeah. like, the, black, the heavy black eyeshadow around her always looked really sexy to me. I like that. I had a thing for that. Heroin chic. I mistakenly thought that Joan Jett was in an episode of Night Court. There was an episode of that show where the judge, Harry, dates a punk rock singer <laughs> uh, who has this album called I Bite the Songs or something like that. And and they kind of like hit it off, but because of his job and her fan base, like they have to break it up or something. I thought it was Joan Jett played that part and it wasn't. It's some other actress. I don't know who it was, but for some reason, like I was like, I was sure that was Joan Jett. And anyway, that's, <laughs> that's was like, just like this false memory that I had to like correct later on, but. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, these are, and, but but and so then listening to this one made me retroactively get back into Joan Jet, and I heard then, then I heard the song like Cherry Bomb from when she was with the Runaways. Oh yeah, like, Joan Jet isn't singing that song; she has like backup vocals. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I remember that song. Now that song recently has been made popular by its inclusion in the movie Guardians of the Galaxy. I remember that song in the movie Dazed and Confused. Yep. When yep. the girls are like driving down the street and everything like that. So yeah, yeah there's, I mean, there's a ton of Joan Jett songs that we could pick from. So yeah, yeah, actually I'm glad you, yeah, you're absolutely right. This is a, this is an interesting one. I'm glad you kind of went with this one because there were a lot of women on this list and maybe this is because of how much harder it was for women to break into the industry and be taken seriously. So they did a lot of covers. There's a lot of, it seems like there's a lot of women on our list that we're going to talk about that have done major, major cover songs and stuff like that. Joan Jett did a lot of them. She's done, you know, she, she released them as singles like ACDC's Dirty Deeds, Done Dirt Cheap. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, the aforementioned Mary Tyler Moore theme song I talked about. She's done the Nazareth song, Love Hurts. I don't mm-hmm. know if you, you know, remember that. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, one of my favorite 
Bruce Springsteen songs, Light of Day, which she did from the movie that she and Michael J. Fox played in Light of Day. Um, so I, yeah, I don't know if that's a cover or not, you know, it was just, whatever. But we've debated doing we've debated doing cover songs in the past. You and I have talked about this. And the one thing that I always fall back on is if you're going to do a carbon copy of the original, I'll just listen to the original. <laughs> and if you're going to do it, do something different or something new with it. And Joan Jett did that absolutely with this version. This is so cool and unique in her own she made it her own and so i think this was a really good choice because she did a lot of really good covers and and you know mtv then started to sell her as a sex symbol which i think kind of you know she tried it for a little while with the big hair and the wearing lingerie and stuff and it just wasn't her thing and then but but you know she she's a rocker at heart and and i i this was for for all of all the covers that she chose to do and and did successful covers of this is a really good example of how you can do a cover song and make it your own and make it fresh yeah yeah. All right, we are moving on to our next artist or group, and in this case, we are talking about the band Heart, fronted by the sisters Anne and Nancy Wilson. Uh, and the first song that I'm going to talk about is These Dreams. Spare a little candle, save some light for me. Figures up ahead, moving in the trees. White skin. The song, uh, I love the song. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a, a good place to that. start. Yeah, that's where I start. Where does it track? Like, I, I can't think of really the origin for where. Like, I, I must have heard the song in the eighties. It was on MTV, and I just kind of, or in the radio, kind of heard it in the background. But by the time I was getting into you know music and kind of discovering my taste, they, I feel like Heart had kind of gone by the wayside. And what little I knew of them or, or remembered them, I, I, I don't know where it came from or what song it was attributed to. But I just remember like around my age group, there was a lot of fat shaming having to do with Ann Wilson around yes, that time. I remember. Uh, and I was just like, okay, so I just kind of like tuned that out. Mm. So they kind of like just yeah. fell off my radar and I didn't pick back up on them until probably late nineties, early 2000. Well, it would have been early two thousands because of Nancy Wilson's collaborations with Cameron Crowe on his mm-hmm. music soundtracks. She did a lot of instrumentations on 
uh, Almost Famous and Vanilla Sky. She was like doing the scores for those and, and a lot of things. And I was like, I really like this. And then it might have even been Dad who mentioned that. Yeah, that Nancy. Well, she was the other. She was the other singer. Uh, singer in Heart, uh, the <laughs> one who wasn't as no, who didn't do as many. And I was like, Oh, what what song did she sing? And then I remembered. I was like, It clicked. I was like, Oh yeah, she didn't sing a lot of their songs, but one that she did sing was These Dreams. And I went back and checked the song out. And it some again, like just this is one of those songs where I don't know what it is necessarily about the sound, the the melody, the vocal track, whatever it is, but this one gets deep down inside me and it has nothing to do with the actual like the story being told or or the music, but I love this song and I love her Nancy Wilson's vocals on this, which kind of famously she sang the song when she had a head cold, uh, and, <laughs> yeah. and like so like she could never repeat the exact vocal track that they got. She could never hit that <laughs> register again because she was sick. Which was I think I think the same is true of John Lennon when they recorded um, "Shaking It." Uh, yeah, um, yeah there's just something about that, but. More than that, I mean, the, the studio version of this song is very beautiful. It's kind of, kind of got this haunting Sith sound. If you ever hear a live version that they've done, they've performed this live a couple of times, especially when it's just Nancy with her acoustic guitar and, the band and, and her sister backing her up on the vocals. They do a killer live version of this song. I've never heard it. It's Damn. really, really good, I, especially like towards the end when they kind of they they do this like ch- dual part on the vocals at the end, and it's yeah, it's just really good. But uh, you know, though I can't break it down to like some like technical, really personal, nostalgic reason for this song. But I mean, this song would be very close to my top ten all time favorites. Like wow, just nice. on a pure audio emotional level i don't know what it is nice nice um yeah they, you know I, when you chose this the when you mentioned you know when you said you were going to do heart and i was literally borderline going to do heart anyways for this list the funny thing is this was the first song that popped into my head now it's not necessarily my favorite heart song but it was the first song that popped into my head and i think this was probably the first heart song that i actually remember taking notice of um mm-hmm. I'm sure somewhere in the background of my youth, I heard their 70s, because Heart's kind of the tale of two different bands. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. Their, their 70s stuff is completely different than their 80s stuff. The MTV generation launched them into another stratus, into another kind of genre almost. They um, were much more like pop, um, not new yeah, wave. Well, MT- but, MTV yeah. wanted to sell them as, as hot girls. Right, and right. so they, they, weren't, they weren't as like grungy alternative type stuff. Um, but I remember, so I, re- I remember this video. I remember taking notice of it and immediately having a crush on Nancy Wilson, like immediately. And it got crazy MTV play. And, and the funny thing is I remember I, somehow I, I had this vague memory of dad telling me, you know, when I said like, oh, check, watch this video or something. He was like, that's not the singer. And he played <laughs> and he played me like another song, like another video of there or something. And I was like, who's that chick? <laughs> and it was now let me preface. This had nothing to do with weight or size or anything about Nancy uh, Ann Wilson. I like, she was still thin at the time and I was not shaming in any way. I just, I was like, who's the blonde. That was just me. Right, right. So, 
And the one thing about this song, the, the last thing I'll say about this song is I just remember the keyboard sound in the chorus sounded like every John Hughes movie of the eighties. And it, <laughs> it, it, it's just like, like the bells in the, like kind of like, like bongo tom, tom drums and everything. There was something about this that I was like, this was like every movie that I was watching. I was like, Oh my God, this is great. But it had this weird ethereal quality. It was something like it was light and airy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, it's it's I, I i mean honestly it's i would just say that it's not my favorite heart song but it's the first song that jumped into my head i should also i forgot to mention um the wilsons didn't write this song this was composed by uh bernie Taupin was one of the guys who really wrote song. yeah and the oh my god one, uh what is his, his name is i think martin page or something he wrote like we built the city on rock and rolls a bunch of 80s hits and stuff like this huh. um they actually i think they wrote the song and gave it to stevie nicks first fast <laughs> wow um, what a boy she blew that one <laughs> yeah, yeah all right what else you got still with heart yeah um okay so before i'm not even i'm not, i'm gonna save my description for after this i'm choosing heart's 80s monster epic pop hit all i want to do is make love to you so we found this hotel it was a place i knew well So I kind of talked about this before with your song. Heart was a, Heart was a weird one because I never quite knew where to place them in my musical pantheon. You know, there's 70s stuff, which I talked about before. They had songs like Magic Man, Barracuda, yep, cra- yep, Crazy this. on You. All those, that was heavy classic rock. That mm-hmm. was totally different. But then their popularity soared with MTV in, in the 80s power ballads and keyboards, and they became a different band. All that being said, Annie Wilson can sing. And she can sing her ass off. Mm. And that's why she makes this list for me. So Heart was a no-brainer to be on this initial rock list that we wanted to do, Women in Rock. Um, I think, personally, her best vocal performance might be in the song Alone. Mm -hmm. Uh, That might be, like, if I was to choose a singular vocal performance, that might be it. But the only reason I didn't take that, and this is me nitpicking, I'm sorry, but that song has been done so many times on singing competition shows over the last (laughs) 20 years. American Idol, The Voice, all these other shows. It's like everybody does that song. I I was actually, if you hadn't brought that up, I was going to mention and actually put a plug. Uh, They did a version (laughs) of Alone on Glee. Okay, Uh, there you go. I used to watch the first season of Glee, and it's actually it's a really good version because they make it a duet between 
the guy who played the teacher, Mr. Schuster, I don't remember the actor's name, and the guest uh, Matthew Matthew him, Morrison. Yes, yeah, and the guest who sings it with him is Kristen Chenoweth. Um, oh my God! Really? <laughs> yeah, and they they do a version of Alone. It's a really good version. But yeah, I mean, it's still again, like it's yeah, everybody's done that. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah, and that's it. That's the only reason. That, that's the only reason. It's just you know, it just got overdone, and I was like, kind of, and it kind of took something away from the allure of Annie Wilson doing it. So, but this song, this song lyrically is what gets me. The story <laughs> gets me. It totally reverses the one night stand stereotype and puts a woman in complete control and power. She picks up a guy because her husband can't get her pregnant she sleeps with him she ditches him leaves him a note gets pregnant and later runs into the guy who recognizes him as uh, recognizes her child and she's just total empowerment she's like sorry you know (laughs) my husband couldn't give me that you know i love my husband but he couldn't give me this you did so there it is and it's it's like it's it's the weirdest thing i mean this is epic and monumental in a shift in power because one night stands are generally considered stereotype stereotypically or not you know a guy thing a guy skipping out on the girl that's Mm -hmm. just the way society views it Mm -hmm. and the woman did it to the guy in this point and every time i hear this song i kind of want to like cower in the corner and hold (laughs) hold myself and like i want to sit in the shower with my clothes on and feel used it's like (laughs) it's just the story just gets me dude (laughs) i i love this um I have had the privilege of explaining the meaning of the song, or I should say mansplaining the song <laughs> to three different people <laughs> who, who okay. just heard, who just on the face of it, just thought it was about like a one night stand, a, a girl who just said, all I want to do and didn't realize that the purpose was actually a, a, a tactical she oh, wants God, yeah. to get pregnant, but it's not this thing where like, she's like, she gets pregnant and then it's like, you, you knock me up. Now you have to pay for this. It's like, Oh, it's the opposite. Because, and then like the line, it's like, because they don't realize it until I explain the site. Like when he saw his own eyes, that line, it's like, he's reckoning. He's like, that's my kid. What are we going to do about it? She's like, we are not going to yeah. do anything. Yeah, about there's it. no we. To, she's like, this kid has a father who takes care of him and who loves him and who believes it's his child. Yeah. And that's the way it's going to stay. I got the only thing I want from you and nothing else. No child support, no visitations. You are not part of this family. Yeah. And it's just like, it's just like okay. So it's like, not like the the other kind of dirty stereotype where she got pregnant and she's like, like where she wants to use this guy for money or something like right. that. Right. No. Yeah. There's no gold digging involved. Yeah. This. Yeah. yeah. You know. You summed it up perfectly. This always reminds me of one of the one of the episodes of the TV show Coach back in the day. <laughs> yeah. I guess. I guess the, when when like oh, yeah, coach, I know the line coach, you know coaches in the locker room is some fan with a bit giant foam finger walks by and he goes, Coach, we're gonna win this week, and he's like. Are you on the team? The guy goes, no. He goes, then we aren't going to do anything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, that's basically it. Now, uh, the last thing I'm going to say, this is going to actually lead me into my next artist that I'm going to talk about. <laughs> I was going to say that, too. It's like, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Yeah, this is going to lead me into the next song because uh, because the next artist, because I actually have refound a new love affair with this song by another artist who did this as a cover. Mm-hmm. So moving forward, 
I'm going to do, we're moving on to another artist. The next group I'm going to talk about is the singer Lizzie Hale from the group Hailstorm, who did an amazing, absolutely epic cover of the song From Heart, All I Want to Do is Make Love to You. However, I'm not going to choose their song for this. I'm going to choose one of their originals. I'm going to talk about Here's to Us. We could just go home right now. Or maybe we could stick around for just one more drink. Oh, yeah. Get another bottle out, let's shoot the shit Sit back down for just one more drink, oh yeah Here's to us, here's to love All the times that we fucked up Here's to you, fill the glass Cause the last few days have kicked my ass So let's give them hell Wish everybody will Here's to this is a perfect example of, of pop sensibilities. It's a perfectly catchy hard rock song with a sing-along chorus, but it's done by, you know, as we'll talk about as you go forward, Hailstorm is like a metal group. They're like, a, they're, they're a hard rock, a hard edge metal group. They're like a modern incarnation of a Joan Jett with a, a girl with a monstrous voice, unlimited range, and leather jackets. She plays the guitar. She's grungy and dirty. And she's the type of girl that, you know, she writes songs about going down on you and stuff, you know, those type of things. But this is the song. I chose this song for a specific reason because Hailstorm is, is a very, very hard group, a very hard rock group. I chose this song because I would probably use this to introduce someone who didn't know the band. I would probably use this to introduce them to them without scaring them off. <laughs> you know? But but like, like Joan Jett, like I mentioned, Hailstorm has made an art of bringing their personality and sound to actually cover songs. So even though I'm choosing the song, this, Here's to Us, which is a phenomenal pop rock radio hit and there's a version of it with slash doing the guitar solo slash from guns and roses um i do encourage people to go back and check out hailstorm's version of all i want to do is make love to you the heart cover they actually they've released a cover song ep in between every major label album they've released so they've done a bunch of these and they cover songs like acdc guns and roses skid row they've they've done a bunch of those and they've done some amazing covers and, and this, I mentioned this to you, Ryan, because I don't even know if you're aware of this. And so I'm dropping some street knowledge on you right now. Their most recent cover song EP, they did Dolly Parton's and later Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You. And it's awesome. I need to hear it. Yes, you do. Yes, yes, you do. As soon as we're done, I need to hear that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's. I mean, I, I, I thought I want to say it just came out within the last couple of weeks, and I heard it about a week ago, leading up to this show, and I was like, oh, that's got Ryan's name written all over. <laughs> um, I love this song too, and I can tell totally tell why you picked it. I mean, it's got a great. It's not just a, a hard rock like rock pop song. It's, it's got a country twang in it. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. like a country pop, like kind of, but with like this, this extra, you know. It feels like a kind of an R-rated Taylor Swift song, <laughs> actually, um, which is which is neither a slight on on Hailstorm or a slight on no, Taylor. No, it's, no, it's not. You're absolutely right. You know, and if I I don't know if you use this in the sound clip, but you know the the curse word in the chorus, mm-hmm. it fits. You know, yeah, it fits. Yeah. You like you like hear it, and you're like, fuck yeah. You know, that's. <laughs> 
Um, and yeah, I, I actually, I remember you introduced me to Hailstorm a couple of years ago and it was, it was I think you introduced me through their, their uh, covers. Like that was what Probably. initially attracted me. Um, it was, it was their cover stuff because I saw like just looking at their EPs, they covered like Fleetwood Mac, Guns yep. N' Roses, yeah. Daft Punk. They covered that <laughs> lucky. You know, yes, like they did. And, yes, they did. Um, the, the Temple of the Dog song, um, Hunger Strike, you yeah. know, like that. I was like, wow, they're doing this. Um, I, for my song, I actually considered because they covered Gold Dust Woman, the Fleetwood yep. Mac one. Um, which good is, version of it. It, it. it is a really good version, but I was like, okay, the Fleetwood Mac version is also really good. Hole has a cover of it, which is also really good. I was like, eh, I, could, <laughs> I could do either one of those. So I might, if we do Fleetwood Mac or Hole later on in the series, I might do those. Uh, but I went with a different one. I did another one of their originals, I think from the same album, The Strange Case of uh, uh, yeah, Hailstone. Yeah, the second album. And the one I went with is more of a traditional hard rock one. And I went with the song Love Bites, So Do I. Don't listen what your girlfriend says. She reads those magazines that say you fail the test. You don't have what she needs. I slither like a viper and get you by the neck. I know a thousand ways to help you forget about her. That bitch can't eat her. I love the song just because it, it's, it's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> like the song, the lyrics and everything, it's kind of funny. Um, this song could go on a Halloween playlist mm-hmm. um, because I, totally. did, I definitely think there's a, a dark, like, witch vampire kind of vampire connection theme, yeah. make with the song. Uh, um, I didn't know when you mentioned the previous song with the, the Slash connection, but that's funny because the first time I heard this, I was like, this reminds me of Velvet Revolver with a ah. Um, I, I heard that kind of production quality, you know, something about that from like the digital age, but hard rock is yeah. slightly glammed up, like the rock punk and everything like that. Just something about like the era. I just, I heard this one. I was like, this reminds me a little bit of, of Velvet Revolver, but I, I, I really dig it. And yeah, I mean, this is, I don't, I don't like a lot of like really hard rock, hard metal stuff. It's, it's kind of fewer and far between, but just the fact that, it's a woman with, again, as you described, like this monstrous voice who's able to belt this stuff out, gives it uh, something a little bit different than your average, you know, Slayer, Megadeth. Sure. I think that her voice just cuts it a little. It's like, you know, the, the ice cutting a stronger drink or something like that. And it's just, uh, I like it. I like it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm so glad you picked this song because for all the reasons I wanted to choose Here's to Us, um, it's not really totally indicative of their sound. So I'm glad you picked this because this sounds like more like them. And I've seen them. Well, well. Let's, when we decided to do this series of Women in Music, um, aside from Joan Jett, this was the second group. <laughs> this, this was absolutely the second group that I knew was absolutely going to be in this first episode. I knew that no, without a doubt. Um, I first discovered them probably around their debut album, 2009 or 10, whatever, whatever year it was. I saw them open for Buck Cherry. And, and then I, I loved them as an opener. It was, oh, my God. And I've seen Buck Cherry a bunch of times, which is the same kind. You know, Buck Cherry's a little bit more of a, a dirty L.A. street rock than Hailstorm. Hailstorm's a little more glam than that. But um, I loved them enough then to want to see them more. And so I saw them a couple of times afterwards. Uh, I saw them 
Oh God, I saw them as, uh, well, it's funny. I, I know I saw them open for Eric church, um, which was a weird connection by the way, because Eric church is a country singer. Mm-hmm. But then I also saw them on a headlining show and their opener was the pretty reckless with Taylor Momsen, yep. which we will come back to on another show. Absolutely. <laughs> come back to that. But, um, Lizzie Hale's phenomenal singer. She brings the, you know, we've talked about this, the punk metal snarl and the grit and swagger like a Sebastian Bach from Skid Row. But she's shown in recent years, a lot of their recent stuff, including some of their covers, like the Dolly Parton song that I just talked about. Um, she's got great pop sensibilities and she knows, you know, she's every album that they've done has showcased about two or three piano ballads. And, and soft songs that showcase her tone and her range, not just her screaming out. This song, I remember, though, going back to my initial story about, like, after I saw them the first time, this was the first song off their next album. And this was when I knew I had to, like, see them again and get their next album when it came out. And this was the first song I heard. And this is just, for, for all the reasons you described, I mean, I love this group. I'm kind of in your camp. In the, I mean, I certainly like a lot more harder rock than you do, but... I've never been a metal guy. I've never been like, you know, I mean like Led Zeppelin, Guns N' Roses, though that's about as hard rock as I go. You know, I'm not, I've I've never been like, you know, like Megadeth or, you know, some of those, I mean, I'm just not a metal guy. I like hard rock, but I like, I like dirty guitar driven hard rock, you know, with, with melody and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, And Hailstorm, brings it and they bring it hard and you know for some reason i remember when i first saw them somebody said that they were they were like they were like a mockery of of like or they were doing like they were parodying like 80s metal and that's the way they were described me the first time i saw them and then i saw them live and i'm like no they're not this is absolutely modern current they're all originals like they're they're doing their own song i was like i don't know where somebody got that idea but this is not at all like oh they're trying to they're trying to do like a parody of 80s metal it's like no they're not so i love this group i love lizzie hale i think she's one she's she might be one of the premier and best female lead singers in hard rock today. And so, yep, they, they made my list. Very cool. Very cool. All right. From there, we're, we're taking quite a deviation. Um, <laughs> we're going with probably the, the most of an outlier on our first, on, on this set list uh, for the first episode. Uh, we're going into kind of more new wave singer songwriter territory uh, because we're going to be talking about till Tuesday and it's lead singer, Amy Mann. And I'm kicking it off with their song, Voices Carry. The song came out in 1985. It was uh, on the album of the same name. 
I remember seeing the video of this, but it would have been in the 90s, I'm guessing. I don't know if it was MTV or VH1 or something. Uh, it's a striking video, um, mm-hmm. pun not intended, um, but um, <laughs> oh, Amy Mann is a musician uh, in what is clearly an abusive relationship. Uh, her boyfriend or husband, whoever it is, he really dominates her emotionally and physically. He demeans her music hobby. He controls the way she dresses, including like her jewelry. He takes one of her earrings off and gives her a new thing. Mm, God, um, yeah. He kind of sort of rapes her at least you know or throws himself on her kind of forcefully at when they're having an argument it's it's you know they it, it, you know it's definitely he's trying to punish her for something in that in that act and in the end they're in a public concert and she starts singing the lyrics the vocals of the song making the scene and he's furious um but she's kind of breaking out of his control it's kind of very uplifting at the end that she's taking ownership of this right because of that video, I always assumed it was like a literal translation of the song and that the song lyrics were about abuse. So like in the, I think the second verse, she goes, I try so hard not to get upset because I know all the trouble I'll get. Oh, he tells me tears are something to hide and something to fear. And I try so hard to keep it inside so no one can hear. And then the chorus is hush, hush, keep it down now, voices carry. I heard that as... They're having this argument, a fight, and she's trying to keep it secret so people won't know because she's ashamed. Um, and that's the way I always interpreted the song. I was like, it's, a, it's about abuse, and finally she's kind mm-hmm. of breaking away from that. Years later, um, I hear, or actually it might have even been like a, the Wikipedia entry or something. Maybe I discovered that somehow. The song was originally written for Amy Mann to be singing to another woman. Yes, yes, and, I, yeah. And it had this very strong lesbian crush origin yes. sort of to the song. Um, and the record company, which Epic, didn't like that. They yep. saw the potential for the, the song to be a really big hit. Yep. So they insisted that the lyrics be rewritten to be more heterosexual in nature. Uh, and the band didn't like the idea, but the song's producer, Mike Thorne, basically convinced them that the raw spirit, the raw emotion of the song would be there regardless of the gender. Right. I can, and and he also it was too important to not, to not release right. the song. Right. And it was a big hit for them. Yep. So, I mean, they, they kind of, they, they made the switch, but when I hear that and I reconsider the lyrics with a female in mind, when she says, when I tell her that I'm falling in love, why does she say hush, hush, uh. keep it down now, voice is scary. It's <laughs> yeah. this entirely different song to me now. And I love that meaning now that it's like, she has this secret crush that she can't act on. And the woman that she's sort of falling in love with, keeps pushing it back keeps like trying to trying to hide it she's avoid she's afraid of the exposure and everything yeah. else and now the secret isn't about abuse it's, it's just like a, a sort of a denial a repression of yeah. this taboo homosexual love and i was like this is so much more of a beautiful song than i ever imagined <laughs> and and yeah I, I, so it's yeah, I, so yeah, the, the, the association for that completely changes at the end when she said, she said, shut up, shut up, can't you? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, the, the only thing, I mean, I, I remember when the song came out, I remember it was a big hit. I remember actually not liking it. I was and, and but it, but it was purely based on production value. You know, yeah. I, I was never really a fan of the '80s sound. Uh, uh, and the new wave thing, yeah, yeah, the new wave thing. That wasn't my thing. So the only thing I'll add to it is that I, you know, I knew I Amy Mann gained prevalence over the last 
what, 10, 10 years or something like, you know, going back to Magnolia um, and stuff. And I started, I remembered like, oh, she was the girl from, from till Tuesday. And then, and she was always highly respected in the business. So, you know, in the music industry, I always liked her. So I was like, okay. So I kind of, at some point, somehow this became back on my radar. I think probably, like I said, maybe around Magnolia this time. Um, but also then she recently started playing this again in her new kind of style. Like I've seen her, like there's the YouTube videos of her as just a folk singer, you know, like mm-hmm. playing the an acoustic guitar version of this live. And, that forces you to kind of strip away all the production and listen to the lyrics because there is no production. Um, mm-hmm. And and I've kind of reinvested time and energy into the song, then listening to it lyrically and the meaning behind it. And that made me like the song a little bit more, but not enough to really do much for me, except much like everything you just described leading up to this, I because I wasn't as familiar with the song. It wasn't really a song that I would have chosen. So I wikipedia it and did the same thing you did, listen to it. And I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> it was kind of like, wow. So I, I had the same revelation that you just did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, which Amy Mann song did you go with? All right. Well, this was actually tough because Amy Mann's been around a lot longer than people think. She's actually released a ton of albums. Um, after she left till Tuesday. And so I, you know, I've, I've listened to a lot of them because there was a fate, you know, I've, I've got like a playlist of, of like, we've mentioned a lot of the artists before the Liz fairs, the, um, you know, uh, the, the female acoustic singers and songwriters and stuff we've talked about, or, or what we may talk about in another episode, the Sarah Bareilles and the Fiona mm-hmm. apples and stuff. Uh, Amy Mann was on that list. So I started to get more familiar with her stuff over the last few years. So the one song that I, I that really kind of resonated with me that I wanted to do on this, I don't know if it was a breakout hit for her, but uh, it was Amy Mann's song "Roller Coasters." Roller coasters and Ferris wheels, you like how it feels. Round and round till you lose yourself in the air. All those complicated. Your desperate appeals Calling out to a God you know isn't there So high as you fell Looking down on the tops of the trees And all you can do is say Please, please, baby, please So like I said, this was tough for me to come out with one standout track. Uh, and part of the reason is you ruined it for me because you guys did Wise Up <laughs> on, <laughs> on a soundtrack selection show for Magnolia, which that song alone is one of is probably my favorite Amy Mann song. Mm-hmm. The weird thing about choosing that song, and first of all, the fact that you guys described it in a soundtrack selections didn't necessarily dissuade me from doing it. I could have done it here. But the weird thing about that song is I don't necessarily know if my love for that song is because the video or the the movie, the placement of it and the use of it in the movie, did that emotional weight make me like the song more? Or did I like the song so much that it made that emotional scene in the movie more important? 
I don't know. So I didn't want to choose that one because it's been talked about. But I will say that song is my favorite Amy Rand song. So moving on. Um, So I went with this track, which was uh, off her most recent album, Mental Illness. There are a couple of really good songs on it. There were a couple of songs to choose from. I I really like Goose Snow Cone. Uh, That was one of another ones that I had to choose from. But the whole album, the weird thing about this is... Uh, and you know this, Ryan, I recently, during the quarantine, I started doing cover songs on YouTube and doing stuff. Uh, just, I did a Joni Mitchell song and yeah. Amy Mann reminds me a lot of a Joni Mitchell. She's like a throwback to like 60s singer songwriter type, that Laurel Canyon kind of sound mm-hmm. that we've talked about before. I could actually picture her dad really getting into Amy Mann's solo work. And this just seems like something that he would absolutely kind of fall in love with if he knew who she was. I, I'm, I'm surprised he really has it to the best of my knowledge. Yeah, me too. Me too. Cause this is right in his, right in his wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the, some of the women that we've talked about the, that like, you know, that sixties, sixties, seventies folk. Emmy Lou Harris. Um, yeah. All those people that we talked about. Yeah. yeah. So, but, but of all the songs I could have chose, cause Amy Mann's got a quite a great body of work. And so mm-hmm. I recommend a lot of people go out and spend some time listening to him. And she doesn't not, she doesn't write stuff for like, like there's not, you're not going to listen to a whole lot of singles quote unquote, right. You know, when you hear her, but her body of work is deep and great. And her songwriting and her storytelling is like a throwback. You know, we recently did a Bruce Springsteen episode, you know, she's a storyteller and, and roller coasters, roller coasters is, it gets me in the feels. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Understandable. And, and yeah, I, I mean, I knew I knew a few Till Tuesday songs, but really when I saw Magnolia, and that's one of my favorite movies, and I love <laughs> yeah. that soundtrack, and I loved all the songs. Wise Up is uh, an amazing song. It, I, I would co-sign that it's probably my favorite of her songs. Yeah. Um. And and there's a lot of songs on that album that I like. And and when I heard this one, and I I don't know what this song is about necessarily, but the fact that the album was called Mental Illness made me think that maybe it was like there was a connection. Like it feels like it's a little bit about possibly bipolar disorder or just yeah i kind of got that vibe from almost all the songs i feel i feel feel like there's a lot of that theme in everything yeah the sort of thing like being out of control kind of spiraling out of your life um Mm -hmm. it definitely kind of like feel that so yeah it it is great so yeah it's a it's a wonderful beautiful song and i i recommend just about everything by amy mann um i have a feeling she might show up on a very daily christmas <laughs> this year um because i've had a song of hers uh, that i've been wanting to use that just hasn't made the cut but maybe this year it will wink um, wink. <laughs> wink wink <laughs> um and then just before we move on uh, uh the one other thing that i i would say the, go, getting back to your cover of the Joni Mitchell song, I love that cover that you did. That's one of my oh, favorite you. covers you've done this this sort of quarantine season. Um, and, and I, I, the quarantine I, season. Yeah. Um, I, I feel I don't want it to be like a sort of backhanded compliment because I think it was the first one that you did, but I yeah. think it is like one of your best. Oh, yeah. No, I peaked early. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I have too. <laughs> well thank you I, I appreciate that Joni Mitchell is, is that was that was a fun one to do learning a new tuning and then trying to retrain myself how to play the chords that mm-hmm. I'm familiar with but in a different tuning and it actually makes it much easier it's, it's even like even like your arrangement is slightly different than yeah. like oh, the, yeah. the album version that she does like even like the, the melody that you kind of get into it's yeah, yeah well, I like, like, I, like I said if I'm going to do a cover song I'm going to somehow make it my own otherwise why do it you know Joni mm-hmm. Mitchell's version is pretty damn good so yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. All right. We got one artist left for this episode. So who is it going to be? 
All right. Well, I'm going to bookend this episode kind of the same way we started. I'm going to go, I'm going to take quite literally the women in rock theme that we're doing. And I'm going with Pat Benatar. And of all the Pat Benatar songs I could have chosen, I'm, I'm sticking rock. I'm going hardcore and I'm going Promises in the Dark. Coast thing, but Pat Benatar, and this is going to sound weird, so bear with me. She always kind of reminded me of like a female hard rock Bruce Springsteen, <laughs> and the stories she'd tell, the like the kind of band sound. Um, it, it, there's just something about you know there were early stuff with Joan Jett, like bridging the '70s to the '80s kind of thing. You know, there were horns, you know, mm-hmm. there were saxophone solos, there were you know there was a lot of kind of East Coast imagery that she talked about. You know, she would write you know tell stories about kids out in the street kind of thing. Um, and like Joan Jett, who we opened this episode with, she's a, Pat Benatar is kind of a spinoff of the NYC punk scene, the New York punk scene. Yeah. She was much more aggressive and hard rock in her early career. And so, you know, a lot of people, most people probably recognize Pat Benatar from the 80s music videos that dominated. And she did some very conceptual music videos, very good, well-made music videos. But her early career, you know, was more like Blondie and Joan Jett. You know, she was very, it was hard, it was hard rock new york punk um most people probably are going to remember her from hits like hit me with your best shot you better run heartbreaker treat me right some of those um but the first single off her third album was promises in the dark and this was uh 19 uh i'm gonna say 81 off the top of my head i don't have it in my notes but precious time was the album her third album and it had all the classic elements of musicality that I love and that I've actually previously discussed in the Bruce Springsteen episode. So allow me to indulge. Um, it starts out with a slow, a slow ballad. It's got, it's like a piano ballad kind of thing, kind of like an E street band type of ballad. And then it blows up into like a big Rick Springfield meets night Ranger arena rocker. Um, I'm giving nod to the eighties. Um, but this one always held quarter, you know, it's just got, it's, it's got, it's almost, God, I want to say almost like a meatloaf song. It's so theatrical in a way, you know, with the, the, the different movements in the song where it goes from power ballad to hard rock song. And then the solo is is like an 80s, you know, just all of a sudden, and then and then it goes back and then there's a breakdown and then she hits this note. And it's just all this. It's got all these musical elements like a jungle land from, um, you know, much, albeit a three minute one, you know, like we talked about with Springsteen. 
Last thing I'm going to say about this is this one always holds a special place in my heart because one of my ex-girlfriends who you know, I'll call her Voldemort because she will not be named. um, She was a singer actress with a raspy, dirty, hard rock voice. She hosted karaoke night and she would, and I went to it religiously every weekend. Um, You know, it was, we were doing karaoke like on Wednesday nights and she often ended her set with this song. And I gotta be honest with you regardless of my feelings about this girl now, she could nail this song. She could nail it. And she could nail that classic high note at the end, at like the 240 mark of the song um, when she goes into her head voice. So this, this song, I mean, if I was going to tell people that don't know Pat Benatar, I'd probably say, oh, hit me with your best shot. I'd probably go with that. But if I had to choose a favorite, with the exception of the one that you're going to name, <laughs> because I wanted to keep it a little more rock than you do, but... I would go, promises in the dark. So there you go. Well, I went with Crimson and Clover for my opening style. So of course you're going to be a little more rock. A little more rock. <laughs> um, promises in the dark. That single was released the day after I was born. <laughs> <laughs> well, that explains why I wasn't there in the hospital with you. <laughs> That's exactly. That's exactly. <laughs> you were still waiting at soccer practice for that. Thank you. Oh God. Thank God for Jason pops family. <laughs> Um, I knew Pat Benatar. By the way, hold it. Let's wait, wait, wait. Let's talk about that for a second. This showed, I can't believe I was dissed to soccer practice for you being born. Like, seriously, we have two parents. One of them couldn't come and get me. That's, God. Okay. I don't even know that they were both in the hospital with me either. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think so. Either. I don't even know that. I don't think either of them were there in the hospital with you. Yeah, think about know. that, people. <laughs> That's a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> I knew Pat Benatar uh, from the songs from Love is a Battlefield and Hit Me With Your Best Shot. Right. Those songs didn't really do much for me. I didn't, I, I, she just wasn't an artist that I was really interested in or into with the exception of the song Invincible from The Legend of Billie Jean. Yes. I like that song a lot. Um, it wasn't until like that movie. <laughs> it wasn't until I saw the movie Talladega Nights, the ballad of Ricky Bobby, um, which culminates with the song "We Belong," um, <laughs> with with uh, with um, Will Ferrell and um, yeah, yeah. Uh, who's Borat? Oh God! Uh, I think of Borat's name. Sasha Baron Cohen. Sasha Baron Cohen. Sasha Baron Cohen. With the two of them running outside of their cars to yep. try and make it to the finish line. Yeah. Great use of that song too, oh, by the way. A, oh, it's amazing! It's, a, it's so good. It's, a, it's such a well-earned climax of the entire movie. Um, <laughs> you said climax. I know. Um, but then once I heard that, I was like, oh, I really like the song. I started playing that, and that made me check her out a little bit more, which led to the song that I am going to pick: "Shadows of the Night."
Yeah, this is my favorite Pat Benatar song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go sign that. Uh, and I'll let you talk a little bit about the song. I want to talk about the video. Feel free. This is a weird ass video. <laughs> it's like kind of like yes. the video. Of course, they made this in the eighties. Yeah, um, it's it's a concept narrative video that has nothing to do with a song. Pat is working on an assembly line, assembly plant, making planes from what appears to be like the forties or something for World War Two. Yep. And she has this daydream that she is a pilot with this elite squad of, <laughs> of like fighter pilots who fly over enemy lines. <laughs> into Nazi Germany and they sneak into this castle mansion wherever they can film it probably um, to plant a bomb and then they have to escape and they have this dog fight on their way out and they blow up the Nazi base the video featured Judge Reinhold as one of her squad mates and Bill Paxton as one of the Nazis like before anybody knew who they were or something like that now it's weird on its face. Now, for fans of the Fire and Water Network who maybe come to this network because you love comic books and everything, this is basically the Blackhawks. This was a DC comic. The Blackhawks <laughs> were an international independent squad of fighter pilots from different countries that were occupied by the Axis powers. Pat Benatar is Lady Blackhawk. And for those of you who like the comics, you will know what I'm talking about in this. It's just, it's a weird video. I was like, I'm, I was like, I don't know if I had ever seen it, but I watched it in preparation for this. I'm like, why did they go with this for this song? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, enjoy the hell out of the video. It's weird. It reminds me of the comic book, The Blackhawks, but I love this song. It's just, it's my favorite. Oh, man, I'm so happy you described the video because I actually wasn't <laughs> going to. I would No, I wasn't going to. I was going to talk about the song. But the video, the video to me, so I have a completely different connection, uh, like a, a sense memory connection to it. The video for me is the movie Top Secret. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. <laughs> That's exactly what I feel when I watch it. It has the same production value. <laughs> absolutely. Well, yeah, it absolutely does. But it's like, like Val Kilmer's a pop singer in America, and all of a sudden he's fighting Nazis. You're like, what? You know that? So this, is, yeah, the video made absolutely no sense, and it didn't. And the funny thing is, it didn't even try and showcase her as like a heart, like a teen heartthrob female. You know, it didn't make it didn't sexy glorify her up. It was, you know, it was it made her more like the the Rosie Riveter kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, you know? But anyway, so yeah, the video is hysterical, but it's you know it works for the song i guess <laughs> you know it's just whatever um i'm happy you went with this song though because it saved me the trouble of having to decide between the two i was going to choose because i wanted to stay rock i wanted to stick with rock but this song is my favorite pat benatar song so despite the fact that i generally favor those uh you know i wanted to keep it you know i wanted to stick with the theme that we were doing of heart in joan jett and pat benatar now with this particular song, Pat Benatar knocked it out of the park with a total pop rock MTV song. And honestly, if this song wasn't included in Talladega Nights, which you just mentioned, this song could be in a Rocky soundtrack for me. Mm-hmm. I like I, I picture like a training montage of, of the beginning of the song. I don't I don't know. It's and and she, you know, this was just one of a one of a series of very niche uh, creative eighties videos that she did, which were really cool. You know, a lot of people remember love is a battlefield. That was like a really, that was a monster video hit about women empowerment. Again, you know, women walking out on a strip club with a pimp that was beating them and stuff. Um, I didn't like that song as much, but I love this one. Um, we belong, you know, that we, you talked about, she, she, 
I, you know, at this stage of her career, and I'm glad you chose this, she definitely found a way to make great use of the new medium, which was video. Mm-hmm. And I think that I don't know necessarily if they started to write their songs more for like the MTV audience or not. They definitely veered kind of like heart. We talked about that was heart. Um, they kind of took like a, a left turn kind of thing and veered more towards doing these like pop power ballads, these radio friendly things, these MTV friendly things. But, you know, going against the grain with everything that I've said so far about these hard rock chicks and wearing leather and playing the guitar themselves and everything, this is my favorite Pat Benatar song, <laughs> so I'm, I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, and that's, uh, that's where we're going to wrap up this episode, too. So, uh, listeners, I hope you enjoy this. I hope we get a chance to do more of these because we got a ton of uh, a ton of great women that we can talk about, both in rock and roll and other styles, other genres. Um, we've got, I mean, we, we've got a list that's like 50 deep already. Yeah. And let's even, you know, in the one thing that, uh, the one thing I'm, I'm really excited about with our listeners that do enjoy our series, our show, the fire and water records. Um, I want to know, you know, from, you know, we have a list, we have a list of people we want to talk about. Who do you want to talk about? People listening to the show, our listeners, what, what females maybe have we not thought of that you guys want us to include in our list that you want us to take a deep dive and take a second look at. I'm, I'm very, this is a subject I would love to explore. Yeah, so, uh, you know, as we sign off for this episode, we'll just we'll go with girl power. I think, I think that's the appropriate theme for this one. Yeah, yeah, and I want to include, I hope, you know, this is certainly not our intention. It's not like we have, I, I want to say this to all our listeners out there, I hope that this brings more women to listen to the show. Um, know that you're, you're, you're spoken for and, and appreciated, and we're not doing this with the intent of bringing that to it, but if that's the fringe benefit of us doing this and showing our appreciation of it, I'm happy. Fire and Water Records is a proud part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Feedback for this show can be left at fireandwaterpodcast.com, as well as Facebook and Twitter. Fire and Water Records can also be found on Spotify. Special thanks to our Patreon supporters. For information on how you can support the Fire and Water Podcast Network, visit patreon.com slash fwpodcasts. If you like the show, but don't wish to support us through Patreon, please go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you download podcasts and leave a nice five-star review for Fire and Water Records. Every review helps push this podcast out to a wider and wider audience. All music clips and quoted lyrics are used for entertainment purposes and no copyright infringement is intended. As always, thanks for listening.